Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. According to the Apostle Paul, a believer in Jesus Christ, a man and a woman who now walks with God and lives this spiritual life, this newly created life in Christ Jesus, this particular person should have a lifestyle and a conduct altogether different from an unbeliever, an outsider, or as the New Testament might say, a Gentile. According to Paul, if you are in Christ, the lifestyle, the fruit that comes off of your life should very much resemble the fragrance and the aroma and the glory of Jesus Christ. So can I ask you this question? When people come into contact with you and they hear what comes out of your mouth, And if they were to observe the way that you live, how you conduct yourselves and how you interact with other people, your stance towards this world, would they say that the fruit from your life is spiritual or self, ego, sin, uh, even satanic, worldly, just average of this culture. Bottom line is, we all are fruit-bearing. Either we bear fruit unto righteousness with an aroma of God through our lives, or we bear fruit unto unrighteousness with an aroma of ego, self, and worldliness, even downright sin and perhaps religiosity. In Ephesians 4, Paul really addresses this issue with the ecclesiac community there in Ephesus. That is, the the brothers and sisters, the church community that was formed there in Ephesus. He addresses these issues, and apparently, Paul is saying that a, a believer, that is, a Christian, should radically be different than the Gentiles. And he highlights a few things in ways we should be different as believers. Number one, he says, unlike the Gentiles, we should not be vain in our mind. Unlike the Gentiles, we should not be darkened in our understanding. Unlike the Gentiles, we should not be alienated from the life of God. Unlike the Gentiles, we should not be ignorant people. And by the way, the ignorance here is is ignorant regarding the ways of God, the purposes of God, the economy of God, the will of God. We should no longer be stupefied as to what God is all about. A spiritual man has light within him, not ignorance. Apparently, a believer should be unlike the Gentiles who has hardness of heart, who is past feeling, 
and who gives themselves over to a loose living, unclean living, and greediness. According to Paul, the believers in Ephesus should have a diametrically opposite lifestyle than some of these things that he mentions here in Ephesians chapter 4. The discussion today is, is it enough to just say, I'm a believer in Jesus, and then go on with life as usual? Or is the Spirit truly at work within us? As Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, transforming us from glory to glory. Beloved, um, you've been walking with God for a year, maybe two years, maybe five, maybe a decade. Maybe you've been walking with God for two or three or four decades. Does your life exhibit the testimony of transformation from glory to glory to glory? For all of your walking with God, are you still the same? Are you still living according to the lifestyle of an outsider? Or is there evidential change and transformation in your life? Well, Paul was burdened regarding this issue towards this Ephesian community, and I am burdened towards this issue with those who work and labor with me in the gospel ministry and in the kingdom, and I am burdened towards you regarding this issue. May this message strengthen you and me so that the testimony we bear and the fruit that people eat from our lives would really have the taste and the fragrance and the aroma of Jesus Christ. May the life of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, drip from you and I's being as a result of God's transformative work within us. Beloved, apparently the Christian, the spiritual man, is a holy man or woman, somebody that is different, other than the Gentile, the outsider, the unbeliever. Beloved, is there enough evidence in your life that you have crossed over? Are you the same or because of Christ? Can you really say, I am different. I am a new creation. Well, that's the issue of our discussion for today. God's on the throne. Satan's defeated. And the saints will be in glory soon. You know, one of my uh, aches, every morning when I wake up, I'm like, oh, you're not back yet. And I used to be so depressed, like, oh, God, when are you coming? And then the Lord began to instruct me a little bit in my own life, just, son, I'm not back yet because there's more work to be done. So... Now when I wake up and I go, oh, the Lord's not back yet, immediately my whole being just says, ah, there's more work 
to be done. More work, not only in me, in us, but in this world. There's more work to be done. Okay, are you in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17? As, as we talk about this whole thing of the nature of God, the life of God, the person of God in you, in the saints, um, this is his burden, is to become one with man. You'll see we're going to harp on this because this is his economy. His economy, this is his purpose. This is his goal with it all. Verse 17, Paul writes to a group of Christians in Ephesus. This therefore I say, and I testify in the Lord, that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk. In other words, there should be a demarcation line between yesterday and today. Yesterday we were pagans, heathen, Gentile. Today we're the people of God. And so notice this word here, that you no longer walk. That word walk there is that you no longer have a lifestyle according to the Gentile custom and tradition, but that you would have a walk. Paul uses that word a lot in his writing. There's one of them in Colossians chapter 1 where he says that you would walk worthily of the Lord. In other words, that your entire lifestyle would be of the Lord, not like that of the Gentiles. So immediately ask yourself the question, has your lifestyle, since you've met Jesus, has it been a walk in the light, a walk in newness, a walk in the Spirit, primarily, or is it primarily still a walk in the Gentile, pagan, heathen, godless, worldly, cultural type of um, mindset? Notice what Paul is saying. That you no longer, in other words, somehow you should no longer be a part of this. Is everybody with me? But you should now be a part of this. That you no longer, there should be a contrast. You should cross over. But that you no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk. And then notice this phrase. In the vanity of their mind. In the vanity of their mind. What a phenomenal description of a rhythm and a life and a walk outside of God. In other words, if you walk in God, your mind should no longer be vain. It should be clear, attuned, enlightened. When we were pagans, Gentiles, we were useless in our mind. We were philosophical and argumentative, and we were just, you know, imaginary, vain. So what is vanity? Somebody tell me what is vanity. What does the word vanity more or less mean in our English language? Like hold yourself high in that regard. Okay, so you're so vain. You remember that song? You're so vain. You really think the sun is about you, don't you? Okay, so you're, you're holding yourself in the wrong light or esteem. Very good. Very good. I, I'm, English is my second language. Y'all grew up talking this thing. What's the word vanity mean? It's even in the book of Ecclesiastes. Oh, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. Meaningless. <gasps> Meaningless? 
Purposeless, all of those words are apart, yeah. It's vain, it's temporal, it's, yeah. Can I introduce you to a concept? Vanity is the opposite of reality. When you grasp, like it says there in the book of Ecclesiastes, you grasp as though you're grasping the air. It's like you're not grasping something concrete, substantial. Are you with me? So it's vanity. That's what the writer in Ecclesiastes says. When you grasp for the things of this world, it's vanity. There's nothing substantial about it. Listen to what Paul is saying. I think it's fantastic. When we were Gentiles, we did not have something substantial in God. It was philosophical. It was imaginary. It, it was vain. There was no, nothing in God you could grab your hand around and say, this is it. Now notice the contrast, saints. Let's read the text with a little bit of a critical, investigative kind of a mindset. If we're not supposed to walk in a vain, useless, imaginary, grasping kind of a way, how should we now live in the New Testament? How should we now live? We should live in reality, right? My mind should be clear. The things of God should be concrete, tangible, so to speak. Do you see the contrast? How does your Bible use that word vanity? What, what word does your Bible put there? Futile, useless, meaningless. Somebody said meaningless without purpose. Now, let's make this personal. Unless we just talk about them. Let's talk about us. Is it not true that for many of us, man, we're confused about God. We are just ignorant. We're in the dark. We get mad. We're offended. It's like we're grasping and we're just not getting a handle on God. I think it's God's heart that we're done with vain, mindless living. And in Christ, we should have meaning, reality, substantial, concrete, tangible Knowing, meaning, that's the way we should live. That's the way people are attracted to your life. No longer walk in the vanity, the vanity of their mind. So he says here, notice this word, Gentiles walk primarily in their mind. And I'm watching y'all, most of y'all have lived the Christian life primarily in your mind. And you can't figure God out in your mind. You keep grasping and grasping. You'll never get there. The whole Christian life is meant to be lived from your spirit. That enlightens your mind. Not from your mind itself. Now notice here verse 18. He's talking about the Gentiles, okay? This group of people over here. Their mind is vain. And then he says here, these Gentiles are also darkened. In their understanding, what a description. Darkened in their understanding. And I see this among us as Christians. It is a pitiful thing that as Christians we're so blind, so darkened in our understanding. We're confused, we're offended, we're bitter, we are fickle. 
Saints, this is not the life that Paul wanted for the Ephesian people. This is certainly not the life God wants from you and I. There should be a crossing over. We should be done with darkness in our mind. Ah, but I know where you're going with this. You see, the average Christian, when we say you should be enlightened, you should know, you should understand, the average Christian think you should have book knowledge. And that's not what Paul is talking about. So you and I think that to have a vibrant walk with God, our mind should be filled with book knowledge. I'm telling you, book knowledge has a place. Paul had a lot of book knowledge. But in the New Testament, what God is after is not your IQ, but enlightenment, revelation, spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's something that's from the heavens, not from talent, scholasticism, education. You do know that most folk in the first century could not read or write. They were slaves. Many of these people that Paul led to Jesus, they were just absolute slaves. Never handling a piece of paper or book in their life ever. Illiterate. But they were enlightened in their mind, beyond their IQ, beyond education. That's the New Testament. A person that can see. There's light in him. That's what Jesus meant. I'm the light of the world. And he who abides in me and walks in me will not stumble. Amen. Man, as Christians, we should be clear about the things of God. We should be clear about the scriptures. I hardly meet young people that know the scriptures. Because, of course, we've made the scriptures all about me, right? Not really about God. We don't come to the scriptures to see what God is all about. We're finding keys just for me. And we'll, we'll teach you a little bit later. You've got to come out of yourself if you want to interpret the word correctly even. We'll show you that later. But notice what a Gentile life is like. Vain, useless, meaningless, nothing concrete, darkened in the mind and understanding. And now saints, notice here, they are alienated from the life of God. They are separated, distanced from the life of God. Because the Gentile does not have Zoe, divine life within him, everything in his mind is vain and dark. What comes first? Life. What comes second? Light. The average Christian, that's me. Oh, I just want heavy revies. I just want understanding and, oh Lord, teach me. But I just never quite get concretely clear in my mind about God. I don't have an IQ problem. I don't have an intellectual problem. I don't have a knowing problem. What's my problem? I and the life of God are separated. Here is the key to the Christian life. You and the life of God have to become one. If anything in your being is to become light. You all with me? Here he gives a description of the Gentile. But I'm taking this description and twisting it right around for the Christian. If this is the Gentile that's alienated, then what should the Christian be? Give me a word. Coexistent. Coexistent, okay. One. 
Unified, there's the word, yeah. Coalesced. Ooh, check that one out. So a Gentile lives alienated from the life. And you know what Christians do? We, we, we say stuff like this, I'm just so dry. Oh. That church is just so dry. I need to get fed. You know what they're really saying? I and the life of God are separated. Can somebody please impress me, perform for me? Can somebody please do something magical for me? You see what's the problem? Now, unless we just talk about them, let's talk about us. This is the burden of your Lord. I said you would never be alienated from what? Life. That word, by the way, is zoe. So, Lord Jesus, we want to pursue oneness with what? Life. Now, why are they alienated from the life of God? Because they're ignorant that they can be one with it. See this word, ignorance? What does your Bible say? Ignorance? Unaware? Welcome to the modern dilemma. As saints, we're unaware that God lives in us. We're ignorant that the life of God wants to flow in me. I'm just ignorant. And because I'm ignorant of that, it's not taught. And here Paul is teaching it. All his books, he's teaching the indwelling Christ. So that the folk are enlightened. Here's one more problem. We've got quite a few problems in this text. I hope you can see this with me. Their heart is hard. So yeah, let's just look at these words quickly. Um, There is vanity. There is darkness. There is alienation. There is ignorance. And then there's this thing called hardness of heart. What does that mean? Quite simply, don't teach me anything. I know how to do this. The hard is heart. Not open, not gentle, not meek, not impressionable. Not in a spirit of surrender like Mary. Yes, Lord. See, most of us, like, I've heard the story. I know what it's all about. You know, I, I, don't tell me the gospel. Why even bother reading Matthew again? Been there, done that. See, we would never say it, but inside your being, you close the door to the life of God. Because you're hard. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt and the tattoo. That kind of an attitude blocks life within you. And when life is not flowing in you, the nature of Jesus, the supply of Jesus, if it's not flowing in me, I become so vain in my mind, I become darkened in my comprehension of God. And I experience alienation. That's why we pray prayers like this. Or we say things like this. Man, my prayers just hit the ceiling. Or, man, I just like, God is in, 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 in Africa. Let's get on a plane and go there. All these things, the way we talk, is really just betraying the fact that you don't believe God is here. And you're not a friend of God. 
intimate in a life-giving relationship. So you constantly think, I got to go there to go get a revival, or I got to go there or there. We have always this idea, it's out there. What you're really saying, beloved, is I'm an alien from the life of God. They have it, so I'll just go there. And this is something that, that I used to pursue also in my younger years with Jesus. I never ever believed that I am a friend of Jesus too. He loves and lives in me. I'm the temple of Jesus. Oh, I read that Bible verse, but my, my mind and my understanding was dark about it. And the Lord began to train me. Hey, I'm in you. And today I just live as though God is in me. Amen? Look at verse 19. Here's another thing. Their past feeling, that tenderness in their being is gone. But anyway, this is a description of the Gentiles. Let's keep it in context. A Gentile person does not have the sense and the feeling and the tenderness and that intimacy and that romance. Oh man, it's a description of many of us in the Lord. I feel so dry. Past feeling, hard, no tenderness before the Lord anymore. No wow at the simplicity of, of God. You know? There's no honor towards God, no fear of God, no reverence. Your past feeling. That's why we've got to impress you with shows and music and smoke and lasers to kind of help you get feeling again. And your feeling is very much dependent on my preaching and my music or my things. Like what, we're, what are we trying to do, many of us as Christians? Not all, but many of us. We're trying to get feeling again, Right? What's really the issue? I'm alienated from life. Life would put feeling within you. Life would put understanding within you. Verse 19 goes on. It says, because of all of these many things right here, you begin to give yourself over to lasciviousness, to uncleanness, and to greediness. What does your Bible use for the word lascivious? Loose living. Oh, gosh. Did I step on somebody's toes? Notice what happens to you and I. It happens to me. When the life of Jesus is not flowing like a river and feeding me like bread and intoxicating me like wine, if the life of Jesus is not flowing in me, pure, unhindered, I shut down in my mind, I become vain in my mind, without meaning, without purpose, nothing makes sense to me, I get hardened in my heart, you lose feeling. And what happens is, uh -huh, you begin to live a loose life. Lewdness, which is just a very fancy word for sin. What overcomes the sin in a person? What overcomes the negative, the death in you, the, the law of sin and death? What overcomes that? Life. See, death cannot triumph over life. What we need to do, and what I'm attempting to do, 
is to introduce you to a powerful nature within you that drives out sin. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. Instead of telling you do's and don'ts, somehow I need to tell you more about the life nature of God Almighty in Jesus Christ by the life-giving spirit in you. And you've got to learn to tap into that river. And when you do, you will have an aversion to covetousness because you cannot stop coveting, beloved. Brothers, we can't stop lusting. It's just in my DNA. It's the law of sin and death is in my members. But there's a law in me that's greater. It's the law of life. And when the law of life has preeminent reign in me, it frees me from the law of sin and death. Romans 8. And by the way, you need to memorize the semester. It'll do you good. Is everybody with me? Gosh, isn't that beautiful? So he says here, you lack life, you're going to begin to live a loose life. As Christians, we're not regulated by the Spirit. We just do what we want, how we want, when we want. As Christians, we sleep around. We get drunk like everybody else. We... It's looseness. It says they begin to live a life of uncleanness. You should, you should see many of us Christians' bedrooms. Just It's a part of uncleanness. Uncleanness in our grooming, in our clothing, in our thoughts. Uncleanness in every area of our life. We just begin to have a don't-care attitude. Welcome to the modern millennial generation. Millennials, don't care. Deal with it. This is who I am. Yeah, you're right. You're acting like a Gentile. Apparently, there is an issue of cleanness somehow associated with a New Testament person. Are we polished and this and that? I don't want to be legalistic what it should look like, but the Spirit of the Lord in you will promote a clean life. And then lastly, greediness. Greediness is just a byproduct of a life alienated from God. We begin to covet and grasp. And, you know, since I can't get a hold of the satisfaction of Jesus, I have to begin to covet this and want that and this, because that's going to fill me up. The writer of Ecclesiastes would say, vanity of vanity. All is vanity. And uh, here is the last thing I just want to bring your attention to. Very simple little passage. Verse 20. In verse 21, he says, But you did not so learn Christ. Oh, now we know that Paul taught these things to the Ephesian believers. When he taught them the things of Jesus the Messiah, he taught them about the life of God and how you should have understanding because of that life and how you will, instead of living a loose, hard, and past-feeling walk with Jesus, you should have a vibrant, enjoyable, romantic, energetic, powerful walk that's tender and meek. Y'all with me? You didn't learn Jesus this way. So here's my question to me and to you. Beloved, how did you learn Jesus? 
Have we actually been taught in Jesus? Or have we just been taught how to not sin? How did you learn Jesus? And then lastly, verse 21. It says here, If indeed you have heard him. It's a conditional phrase here. Have you heard him? If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Notice this particular translation here uses a very good word for truth. It uses the word reality. You did not so learn Christ if indeed you've heard him and have been taught in him as the reality is in Jesus. The reality. He's the only concrete, tangible, real person in the universe that satisfies, that makes sense, that has purpose, that has destiny. If you have Jesus, you have the reality because he is the reality of everything. I'm going to show you that from the book of Colossians chapter 2 later on when we tackle that chapter. Paul hints at it that everything in the visible realm is a shadow of which Jesus is the reality. And that's our word at Legacy. Reality. If you do not have the life of God in you, you do not have the reality. If Jesus is not teaching you, you do not have the reality. If you can't hear him, you don't have the reality. That's why we are greedy and wonder and live loose and unclean and past feeling and hard and on and on and on and on. So he says here, you've got to hear him. And you have to be taught in him. Remember Matthew 11, come to me, Jesus said. You guys that are so burdened and so heavy laden, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. And learn from me. Who's your rabbi? Jesus. Who's your Lord? Yeshua. Who's your teacher? Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Y'all begin to have such an attitude like, Lord, here I am, instruct me. Live in me, enlighten me. When I paint that little sketch for you of what the normal experiences of a Christian life should be, life is at the center. Romance is there. You should have feeling towards your Lord. Light is there. Saints, hear him. Let him teach you. Present yourself every day as a student of Jesus. Of course, he's your father. Of course, he's your husband. But there's another interaction we have with our Lord, and it's that he's the rabbi. We're the pupil. He teaches, we receive. Amen? Amen. So, yes, Lord. Teach us about the life of Jesus, the, the life of the Spirit of God in us, the life of God in us. Teach us, Lord, how to receive it, be open to it, partner with it. And that life, Lord, we just want to let it flow and feed and nourish us in Jesus' name. Amen.